Better Golf Pod Nation. I hope everyone out there is doing well this week. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Tee Off Sports. I'm here with my partner, Sticks Picks, and the two of us will be taking you through the DFS board this week to discuss some of our favorite values and fades for this week's Mexico Open at Vedanta. But before we get into all that information, I want to talk very quickly to everyone about Underdog Fantasy, one of the top sites where you can play and hold real money drafts against either friends or random opponents. We continue to be in discussion with them about creating week-long contests, although there are still many things to do over there, whether it's their pick'em contests, their daily events that they have. Uh, check them out if you're not doing already. You can sign up today at Underdog with the code BGP to get a 100% match bonus of up to $100. If you have any questions about all the great perks of the website, please feel free to contact me on Twitter at Sports. Nick, how are you doing this week, man? Doing well, man. I uh, just had to go to Cuba for my cousin's wedding, so that was really interesting. Kind of cool to see all the uh, the old cars and everything and the old cannons protecting the uh, the harbors and whatnot. But yeah, really uh, really different experience. Uh, beautiful scenery, all that good stuff. Riviera kind of kicked my ass. I can't believe I turned my back on Xander Shoffley, but I had him in the outright market. And of course, that, uh, that Sunday push just doesn't come to fruition as Hideki apparently lit that place on fire on Sunday. So good for him. Uh, playing JT was kind of a, a poor choice on my part. Like looking back at it, I just feel like I would never play a guy that's 30, 35% owned sandwich in between guys like Patrick Cantlay and other studs. So it seems like that was an easy pivot range. And again, maybe it was due to limited time for me and the research there as I was getting ready for flights and all that good stuff, but no excuse, got my ass kicked. So the heater is officially back to normal. Um, it was a great couple of weeks here in the DFS side of things still just can't get there on the outright market, I guess, other than Wyndham Clark. So that was more thanks to you. Um, but excited to see what happens this week. I think it's a, a good tournament to bet, actually. I mean, it's pretty much like Fino and Hoygaard against the world based on yeah. what the betting market's saying. So I'm excited to see your thoughts on that. But um, yeah, Spencer's uh, flu game today on the podcast, if you can't tell. So we'll fly through this. We'll literally keep it to 20 minutes as we do have a hard stop time to get our best bets pod in with action network so check that out with roberto if you want to see like where our card is but i'm sure based on what i say i'll kind of tell you who i'm interested in but top of the dfs board we'll go 10k and above but we'll start with tony fino at 12k 40 percent ownership do you believe that ownership is true i struggle to believe that he's going to get up that high with the price tag that we have i mean with that being said though i have him at about 31 percent right now so um where do you have him out of curiosity 42. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, like the one problem is with Finau is the putter is just ice cold. Like it's well, one ball striking is like, unbelievable. The ball striking is unbelievable. Get that but out it's, there, but yeah, the putter is gone. It's one thing when we were paying like we were getting him at sub ten percent ownership and we were getting him in the eight thousand dollar range. I do think it's a different thing. He's number one in my model. He should be number one in any model that's being run. But I, I almost would rather like to me the top of this board. I was curious to see where Olison was going to come in. Um, what ownership percentage do you have on him right now? Nine. I have him at 10. That's a little bit higher than I actually even anticipated him being. Um, I think for me, it's Hoygaard. I will consider Olison if that number stays in that like sub 10% marker right in that range. And then out on Grio. Um, and I might just let Finau beat me at this point. Yep. I'm with you. I don't think I have any interest in playing Finau. I don't even think I'd do that in cash. Hoygaard's probably my favorite. Just again, this course is pretty much just bomb it as far as you can. The rough is not going to be very penal. Obviously, putting on past Palm 
is probably a good thing to look at as well. But Hoygaard's got extremely good long irons as well. So it's just a, a very long course. you got to hit it far off the tee. Got to be good with your long iron procs and greening regulation. So for me, I'm just looking for, again, just longer ball strikers with historic good numbers on pass pollen. But there's one guy that I think is ranks. I mean, it's kind of a limited data sample, but we'll get to him in a minute. But his putting grade's awful. So I'm okay with rolling the dice on what should be a low-owned guy. But below 10K, Steven Yeager at 9,800 seems like he should be priced in the 10K range in this field with how well he's played and the added distance off the tee and how everything, his ball striking iron plays great. I think the pass pal and putting is good as well. And two top twenties in a row at this venue. I thought the top three price players should have been Finau one, Hoygaard two, Jaeger three. So you're getting a rebate with yep. him. And, and um, I would give a very similar answer where my model is just much higher on this player, but uh, Rio Hissatsune, I think I said that correctly, but uh I, I think he's very interesting at 9,200. What made you look at him? Obviously, so, like he's he's scoring and he's playing in great fields and scoring in great fields. I just have a hard time getting like longer term data, which I don't really weight very heavily. The distance off the tee is fine. I he just looks like an okay guy for me, but obviously he is scoring in big time fields and obviously tore it up on the DP world tour as well coming before coming over in January. I think for me with him, it's just one of those, he's 21 years old. And when I was running my model before the season, he was the one name that consistently just kept popping for me over and over again. Like we've gotten that win from Nick Dunlap. We, we've gotten some of these guys to take the next step. We haven't necessarily seen that from Rio yet. Like, yeah, he has the win over in Europe. He has, the 11th place finish that he put together uh, at the American Express when Dunlap won. But uh, number one in my model for expected scoring now, to your point, Nick, not enough data for me to feel super comfortable with that. But it doesn't seem like the market's going to him whatsoever. And unfortunately, like we'll talk about this a little bit more on the Action Network show. Uh, Bet Online released a head-to-head matchup of Rio versus Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, within, I mean, I would say three minutes we shifted that line like 30 points from where it opened at. And it's come back down a little bit now. And it seems like there's some huge money that's moved it back. But I just think Rio is a very interesting candidate. And because of his youth, I'm even more so willing to overlook some of the lack of data. Yeah. One of the matchups I was actually looking at um, before I knew that you were into Rio was Matt Wallace on the other side of him. Matt Wallace was kind of the guy that I think will draw little to no ownership. I think fits this course. Great. I know the course history. Yeah, I think the course history is obviously not there, but his ball striking is in a much better place. Getting distance off the tee, I think that this is a good spot for him. Limited data on past Palman. It's not good if you look at it on the putting perspective, but he was historically kind of a bad putter, and he's started to come into form on the flat stick too. So I think he's got upside. I think Rio's got upside. I just didn't have a good pull for him and have him kind of – I have him right there with Ryan Fox – Michael Kim, my numbers love Michael Kim. I think he's more of just like a safe cash play. I did take him outright to win, but uh, then Jake Knapp right there with Rio. So again, limited data for Jake Knapp. Obviously, he hits the living shit out of the golf ball and can score with good players. So I'm I'm excited to see what he could do here. But yeah, Rio, that's that's interesting. I like that. I don't think there'll be any ownership on him. I see him at sub five percent right now. So do I. I mean, that's part of the intrigue also. And and I like Wallace and it kind of goes back to what I always say. If if I'm going to go with a matchup there, I'd rather just fade Hughes. Like 
I, I think if the number and the number has moved too much, but if you can't find the prices that were originally out there, unless a book is either very slow to move or you have some local shop that is just, you know, making mistakes. I, I do think like Ekrote uh, is an intriguing name to take on against Hughes. Like th there are options to fade Hughes when push comes to shove. I like that. I do not like Mackenzie Hughes and I always like Austin Ekrote. How about Eric Van Ruyen? And in comparison to, well, I guess both the, I, I think I'd rather play Patrick Rogers and I'd rather play AVR over Taylor Pendrith. I know a lot of people are talking about Taylor Pendrith. The ball striking is in a much better place. He also scores very well on past Palm, I believe. And let me pull up his course history. T30 last year. He's got pedigree to win PGA events. I think we kind of thought that was going to happen last season before his game just fell off a cliff in the summer. Do you have any interest in a guy that is grading over 20% ownership? Seems to check every single box on this course, though, for me. Like, the long irons are his better ones. I think it's when, you know, it's he's extremely long off the tee and struggles within that, you know, 100-yard range, that the wedge range, I should say. It seems like that's a perfect fit for him. But 20% of the ownership, maybe even higher. When Patrick Rogers is sitting right there, I think he's in good form, ball striking-wise. Eric Van Royen, you kind of been talking about him a little bit. He's got a lot of added distance off the tee, too. I feel like I'd rather take both of those guys over Pendrith. Uh, my model would prefer Pendrith um, over P-Rod. Yeah, I, there's a lot of $9,000 golfers for me that are like, I know Rogers has the course history and the ownership looks fine on him. He's probably the more intriguing for me um, if we're d co directly comparing him or Van Royen. But I don't know, like I'm probably out on a lot of those guys in that range. Like there's a lot of 10 to 15 percent ownership that. I would rather just make them beat me. Okay. So you're in on Pendrith, then you're going to keep him in the player pool. As of this moment, I am. Um, I mean, we'll see where this trends and we'll we'll see where we go. And and I think there may need to be a decision that's made between options like him and Davis Thompson. Um, yeah, speaking of him, look at the price. 8,900. God damn. Like that, that, I wanted to talk about that waste management lineup. I was, it was a winning, I think like $28,000 and all I needed was Nick Taylor, not to force overtime, not get that, that last birdie on 18 to get the points for birdie and obviously seal up first or second. And he fucking stones it. And I, it was a great lineup. I think it ended up cashing like 12,000 overall, but fuck that would have been, that would have been great to have that one. And then I kind of would probably would have pushed up market in MME, especially as like the players are coming here and we're going to get much larger DFS prize pools for tournaments like that. So that was my my one heartbreak for the week, but I cannot complain with uh, the run we've been on, obviously, prior to Riviera. Uh, Brandon Wu, 15% owned, had, checks the course history box. <laughs> I just can't imagine paying 9100 for a 15% owned Brandon Wu. I just think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be out. I'd rather play David Thompson, and I do think they got Davis Thompson's price right because I, I think I he is a stud player. Yeah, I mean, that's another young kid that's shown upside early in his career, and Sometimes it just takes an extra year or two for them to put it together. We saw him almost win an event last year, probably should have taken it down. All of a yep. sudden now he's trending with all his ball striking metrics, entering a course where that ball striking and that distance should really play well for him. So I, I like Thompson. I think Brandon Wu is probably, I don't want to talk in absolutes here, but I mean, he's probably one of the worst plays on the board. That is solely a course history return that is being done at a course that really has no rollover predictability in the two years when you look on any sites like data golf out there. Yeah. I'm, I'm out like, sure. He is extremely comfortable on these greens for the, the lack of sample size that we have. Um, but he has finished T2 in third. So it is what it is. I will let the course history horse play Brandon Wu. 
I don't even think I'll get there in cash because I'm trying to make a quick cash line up for us before we we sign off here. But I don't I don't think I'm ready to even release it. So maybe look on Twitter. Um, but I, I moving... just think across the board, Nick, he's like this isn't one of those spots because he has a lot of ownership. He's out of my player pool. Like I think he's overpriced. I do yep. think he has too much ownership. But you could have if if you throw this onto a different course, and I know the course history narrative does matter to some extent. You throw this anywhere else, he's like. You could flip him and Sam Stevens inside of my model, and my model would have thought that is more correct. I would agree with my pricing, too. My model actually likes Johnny Vegas more than it likes him. Yeah, same here. I mean, there's a lot of names. (laughs) I know you like like Johnny Vegas. I don't really like Johnny Vegas, but when I saw that his price was 7,600, and he had the same implied probability of Brandon Wu, who's 9,100, that's just an easy, I think, like, just take him out. Yeah. Is there anybody before we move on in the $8,000 range? We talked about Davis Thompson a little bit. Uh, I like Austin Eckrode. I know we've mentioned him. I do want to double down for DFS. I think he's a very intriguing play there. Um, Anybody else that we're missing? One guy I want your thoughts on, um, because ownership will probably be there, Cameron Champ. Like to him, for me, like obviously the course fits him perfectly. He has a ton of success here. And going into it, it's like I tried to find a trend. Like was he striking the ball well coming in? Like no, he just just likes this course i guess i don't know or he makes it so damn short it's i don't know any range putts on past ball at least here he does yeah second in my model for total driving inside the top 25 for weighted proximity that's kind of the one mixture that we don't always get from champs so there's that positive return that we're getting in some of his um proximity numbers that normally wouldn't be there i i don't know i, I do think he has a obviously a high ceiling. I think that the floor is extremely low. My guess would be that he garners too much ownership for me to really get intrigued here. But I guess if like I'm directly comparing, I would rather play him than I'd rather play him than Brandon Wu. <laughs> I was going to say too. Uh, all right. Moving down to the seven K's. Some guys that I like, I, I still like, again, it, I think it's kind of the theme of maybe today's show. And we didn't really know what these young guys that have a lot of upside I'm seeing Vincent Norman at 1% owned in bad form. So it is what it is, but I feel like he grades out very similar to me from a player perspective. If I don't take, you know, I I don't weight course history very heavily, but he looks like the same exact player with positive ball striking trends in his last two starts as, you know, better than Cameron champ. So Vince Norman, 7,600. I think he's kind of a poor man's version of Cameron champ. I I don't think I'm going to fade Cameron champ, but these guys in the sevens, I think like the build is going to be pick one or two of them. Assuming that many people do play Tony Finau. I know a lot of people are going to play Hoygaard. I won't talk you off him, but like, I think that's kind of what it's calling for. And there's going to be some ownership in the six K range. We can maybe pick out a couple guys here, but I, I think playing three to four of these high end upside seven K guys are, is probably the way that I'm going to go to get different. I think that's a, a fair answer. I, I I will double down again though on Sam Stevens. I, I think seventy one hundred. I know he's going to be very popular, but yeah, he's a cash uh, and, game staple. Yes, and I I also actually think too that he has massive upside here. Like I'm okay with the ownership. I, I'm normally not the guy that drops into this low seven thousand dollar range and tries to play the chalk there, but um, you don't have to look any further. Like I grabbed him at ninety to one to win this event on Monday. You, like you can find a 75 to one out there if you really shopped around, but 
he's in the 50s at most shops. Like, that's credible movement. Um, it would be one thing if we only got the return of distance because I think that's the one negative trend that people are going to do is they're going to overlook into distance. And mm -hmm. there's more that comes into it than just distance. But you have the weight of proximity for him. You have a golfer who's in good current form that's trending the right way, who also has that distance. So uh, there is a whole ton to like about Stevens when I put an equal weight for distance and then proximity from 175 plus yards, essentially spat out. What would that be? He would be uh, six for me. So he would be behind Finau, Hoygaard, Jaeger, Thompson, and then a limited sample size that I have that I don't necessarily trust. I did bet him for an outright for this reason, but Parker Cootie. Uh, Parker? Yeah, my numbers liked him quite a bit. Okay. I'm uh, I'm interested in that. All right. So your thoughts, and I am i don't think I have anything bad to say about Stevens other than his ownership, but it is what it is. I think that, like you said, you, you described that perfectly. Do you hate Vincent Norman? And then no. thoughts on Smalley? I think you already kind of signed off on Matt Wallace and Johnny Vegas is going to be, I'm seeing 15%. I think I probably would have to bail. I probably would rather play Lashley than Smalley. I think okay. they're both a little bit of dart throws there. I, I do like the ceiling potential that Lashley has. The current form looks tumultuous no matter how you put it together, but uh, massive upside numbers with what, how I ran my model. Vegas had very similar upside numbers. My model's always higher on him than I think most people's, but um, I like Vincent Norman. I don't have a problem with him whatsoever. I think he's a boomer bust play that is garnering very little ownership, and he has a ceiling to me that is a legitimate top 20 player in this field. And even if we saw it throughout portions of the 2023 season, He's not necessarily bringing that same form into the mix right now with what he's been providing recently. But when he was putting the pieces together last year, like if he, if you could get that version of him into this event, he's in the $9,000 range. So no um, I, I love him from a statistical perspective of how he grades for Vedanta. Okay. Uh, one guy I did overlook that I'm interested in. I don't know if I'm being a sucker for recent form and just pedigree, but give me your thoughts on Maverick McNeely. This might be a situation for me because markets would seem to agree with you. I see him moving in a positive way throughout most iterations of the market. Maybe I'm running things from too long of a perspective. I see the ownership trending. It upwards. is going up. And that worries me ever so slightly here. Like I still think I'm in a spot where if I'm directly comparing, I would rather play Eckroth than McNeely. Um, yeah, I'm in on Eckroth. Now that's where I think ownership will go low on him just because he's not it won't be low but just because he's a household cut maker at this point. But with the lack of distance for us in that I think people will be off him. I, I would agree. I think that that's where like not running things so distance centric uh, is a very intriguing return. Like there's a lot of distance in my model, but it's not the, it's not the only answer to find success here. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people seem to be making early on. All right. Favorite. Give me two plays in the six K range that you like a lot. <laughs> I, if, there, I like, if there's any, I think that maybe just saying none, you know, obviously you got to give maybe one or two, but saying none, I think is a great way to get different again, just like from a strategy building standpoint. Um, Parker I mean, I thought, I thought Parker Cootie and Bramlett were very intriguing. I do see them garnering ownership right now. Like they've definitely, uh, at least inside of my model, they have gone from players that were sub 5% and they're kind of pushing upwards right now every single time I update my model. So I'd be curious to see where they land. 
Um, I, I mean, to be honest, if you want to get completely different with the name, Ben Silverman. Ben Silverman. I saw you write about him. Yeah. I, I don't I, mind. I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I was looking at the U of I guy. Ben Coles was interesting, too, but he seems to be popular. Ben Silverman. All right. That was a name I was not ready for. What are we doing with the Chan God? You seem to have a better read on him than I do. I I would be out, but uh, you seem to get him correct more than I do. I just feel like I prefer him on, like, let's talk about, like, peak Victor Hovland. Like, when that driver can be a weapon to differentiate with the distance and the accuracy, I feel like that's where I'd rather play him. He's, you know, he even said it too at the Amex when they were interviewing him when, you know, he's, which I love that. I love the chain kind of getting TV time, but he kind of said like his advantage is hitting fairways and hitting greens of regulation. I feel like that's kind of limits him a bit here. And because we saw that recent success for him, I think he draws a lot of ownership and I'd probably, I'd probably be out. That's my mentality. And he's also terrible inside of my model from the limited sample size that I have from outside 175 yards. Like that's. If the ownership's going to go based off of the recent form, I would rather find. And to be honest with you, Nick, like I do think when you get into, I mean, we can get real gross into like the five thousand dollars section where there's like these boomer bust options where there's very limited data, like a Chandler Phillips or Max Greiserman. I think Chandler Phillips is a ball player. Yeah, that, like that might have some intrigue. I thought MJ Duffy was intriguing now he has been horrible as of late but high upside marks there at 5800 um don't have enough data to feel comfortable with any of my returns on like tom whitney necessarily but those are at least guys him uh, i'm trying to think if there's anybody else here i mean i did not know they went all the way to 5k good god (laughs) it gets bad at a certain point i do think that there are options that were like the six thousand dollar range um is almost like this week's seven thousand dollar range with a lot of these names. So, uh, Cal Taron, why does he suck so bad? I don't know. I I'm not a Callum Taron guy. Like positive trajectory for upside, very negative for his floor. I see decent ownership around him too. Everybody wants to always play him. Like I mean, it's only a couple percent, but when he's you know fifty six hundred and he seems to be inside of my model, the most popular guy in the five thousands right now. Like I would rather just avoid that. All right, what about Mac Meisner, the guy I looked at at the Amex? I think he missed a cut on the number. He can bomb the golf ball. I don't think he will get any ownership at all. I'll let you talk about him. I, I have nothing to say one way or another. You were correct on him until it wasn't correct at the end. But, I mean, yeah. he was putting together quite a round. Yeah, he shot fucking seven or eight under round one. I remember that. Then what the hell happened? I, I, there's no ball striking data from him because that's when the – that was the round one, I think, where they messed it up or whatever. That's yeah. when he was actually on there. I, I think I'd play Mac Meisner at that price. I'll I'll take the upside there. Like I, I I think that's that'd be my guy. Do you have any opinions on Kevin Daughtery? No, honestly, I can't ever tell you. I've heard his name until he just said it there. Sounds like a, a like a singer <laughs> in a band. I mean, he's a name that at least popped for me in some areas, but I I, I don't know. Pounds a golf ball. I remember that from the Farmers. He was one of the, I guess, okay. Is that how you say his name? I thought it was Dotry. It's probably, I'm sure I, I don't know. I'm That's sure. why I'll, I'll get, do- I was typing in daughter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, whatever, but all right. I, th- I think he's got, obviously, the driver. The long distance. What a shit show of a show, but yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let it go with that. 
I think Mac Miser is going to be my pick to click in the 5K range. And are you going to go with this Daughtry guy or however we say his name? Uh, I mean, I think my favorite. Do you have stats on Tom Whitney that you feel comfortable with? No. I mean, obviously no, you don't feel I'm comfortable, not. but. No, I do not feel comfortable about Tom Whitney. Let me see where he grades for me. Uh, I mean, if I just kept the 30 day rolling, then it looks great because of farmers. But... I mean, that's the, that's the problem with it is we're dealing with such limited sample sizes that you're going to have certain players that are going to prove that they did not belong in this range. And there's other guys that are going to very quickly be back outside the top 100 after this event, when the pieces don't get put together. And I mean, I think that's the problem is there's just so many names at the very bottom that you're essentially flipping a coin of two events with limited sample sizes where, I mean, that's not how I'm ideally trying to build a model at the end of the day, which is yeah. why for me, almost all of these $5,000 guys would probably just be I'm like, I'm okay playing maybe, like at least with Duffy, I have stats with Duffy like that. I and, and same with Chandler Phillips that I have a little bit more that I was able to pull from him that I felt uh, slightly better. And maybe the same with Max Geiserman. But I think once you get below those three, it's it's really just uh, pick your poison. And if I'm playing them, I'm playing them very, very lightly as just a, a situation to be unique and different. Yeah, Max ball striking actually looks really well. That's a yeah. good good find there. All right, Nick. He actually else? did make the cut at the MX. So I, one of the, I think I may have played him a little bit too. But no, um, mixed bag. I guess volatility on the Corn Ferry Tour. He'll top five and then miss a cut. So I think that works for a five thousand <laughs> something dollar option this go around. So uh, I mean, it's one of those things you're going to have to pick and choose your spots. But uh, if you are not doing so already, you can find Nick on Twitter at Sticks Picks. I am at TL Sports, as Nick said. We will call this my flu game. I, I feel like I'm looking at absolute bubbles on my screen right now with names that are just darting in and out. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm having a fever dream with some of these names that we're talking about of golfers that we've never discussed in show history. But, you know, it, it is what it is at Better Golf. We go deep on the board at the end of the day. That is very true. The only difference between this and a flu game is that Jordan lit it up that day. And I have a feeling I'm probably going to get fucking crushed again this week in DFS. But we'll see what happens. So good luck to everybody. Thank you for tuning in as always. And uh, Spencer, any closing closing thoughts? Uh, just if you haven't done so already, we hope you consider signing up for Underdog with the code BGP. As I said at the beginning, that'll give you a $100 match bonus on the website. The site is buzzing with different sports that you can play weekly. And remember, Underdog has everything you need to gain action for the week for any sport that you can imagine. So thanks again for all the support everyone shows us. We will start getting these shows back out more in a weekly fashion here. And we will see you guys back here again next week.